and gentlemen, this is David Mercatani with Matt Chat. Today, I am happy to be joined by the executive director of USA Wrestling, Rich Bender. Rich, thanks for taking some time to be with me today. Hey, my pleasure, Dave. How's uh, how was your trip uh, overseas with the Pan Ams? Well, we didn't actually go over any seas, but we went <laughs> down south to Brazil and uh, and had a had a great performance in Salvador with actually all three teams. Uh, came away with uh, two or three Pan Am team titles, and we're second with our women. So, 17 medals overall. Overall, uh, pretty pretty good week for Team USA. Yeah, it, it, the results were were impressive, and track <clears throat> wrestling covered all that stuff. So it was kind of cool to be able to watch that. Um, I I really want to get into you know what all you do at USA Wrestling and everything else. But for the people that don't know. What is your background that, that led you to the position you're in now? Well, I was a high school wrestler and uh, the, um, exposed to the sport at a very young age. Had some some uh, cousins that were involved in the sport in uh, rural southwestern Wisconsin. And uh, I guess it's safe to say I drank the entire pitcher, pitcher of Kool-Aid uh, early on and was inspired by the sport. At a very young age, participated in youth wrestling up through high school, and uh, actually uh, into college, I decided to try to pursue a baseball, but uh, went on to get a, a degree in athletic administration and was offered an internship with USA Wrestling in the summer of 1988, and uh, never left. So, uh, been uh, at USA Wrestling for uh, I'll be 29 years here in July, and uh, so. I uh, was an average high school wrestler, probably at best, but someone that developed uh, a, a big passion for the sport early on. I had a, uh, a seventh grade science teacher that uh, my uh, middle middle part of my seventh grade year in, in school, my science teacher sent home, sent home a report card and on the back wrote, wrestling, 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 all Rich wants to do is talk about wrestling. Can you please inform him there's more to life than wrestling? I still have the report card today, and uh, in fact, uh, tease that same science teacher a lot when I go back to, to my hometown, Bosco, Wisconsin, about the fact that yeah, there was there was more to life, but not a lot more to life, and uh, certainly uh, so been inspired and and just passionate about the sport uh, as long as I can can remember. That's awesome, uh, and it, I think there's a couple things that stuck out to me there. First of all. It shows, like, even within a place like USA Wrestling, like, I started my financial services career as an intern and, you know, ended up owning my own business. And the same thing, and you literally started at, you know, either a very low-paying or maybe even a volunteer internship to begin with and have moved your way all the way up. And the other, and the other thing that we talk about a lot on these podcasts are how wrestling is such a great sport, and I know obviously everyone listening agrees with that, but that you don't have to have been, you know, John Smith or Kale Sanderson to love the sport and to want to make it better and to give back. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're probably downplaying how good of a wrestler you were, but it's cool that somebody who, you know, who wasn't a world champion loved it so much that wanted to be involved at, at USA Wrestling at such a high level. Well, I mean, that, that is a, a beauty of the sport. I mean, obviously – um, you know, I think that we talk about this a lot with elite athletes and coaching and, and, and the reality of it is to be a successful wrestler, there, there's an element of selfishness that, 
that has to be incorporated into your training and and just the your the your the way you live your life to to be an elite wrestler you have to be selfish about um you know about a lot of things and to be a great coach you have to be incredibly selfless and i think it's you know so some some uh you know struggle like i think from making that transition and some realize that maybe you know the on the coaching side or the the giving side is you know there's opportunities regardless of whether you've been you know world world olympic champion and not saying that there's countless examples of elite athletes who have went on to become incredible administrators and, and coaches in the sport. So that transition is, uh, you know, it's done a lot within our sport, but yeah, I started here as a, as an intern, $5 a day was my pay. And, uh, you know, so, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty blessed to be, have been given the opportunities I have. And, and certainly I think at the foundation of it all is, is just a, a huge love and passion and recognition for what the sport sport has done for me. So, uh, you know, that's, that's, I think, a, a lot of the story there. Yeah, for sure. What exactly are the responsibilities of the executive director of USA Wrestling? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, obviously, uh, well, maybe not obviously. I mean, USA Wrestling is structured in such a way that, uh, you know, I report to a, a volunteer board of directors, Okay. And uh, led by uh, a volunteer president who, you know, another a great example of uh, an elite athlete that's transitioned into a great administrator and coach, and that's Bruce Baumgartner. And so Bruce is my immediate boss. That's who I report to every day and person that, that manages uh, me. And my responsibility is the management of the professional staff here at USA Wrestling, which, you know, obviously, um, you know, we take direction. Uh, as a as a professional organization from you know ultimately our, our board, but my responsibility is to to direct the, the professional staff here at USA Wrestling and manage the day to day operations of uh, you know of USA Wrestling as the national governing body for our sport. Ah, uh, so you're you're helping to direct like the Gary the Gary Abbotts, Taylor Millers, Eric Sakura's, Richard Immels of the world, those folks. <laughs> well, I, ultimately, that's my responsibility, and you know, I'm really blessed to work with the professional team here at USA Wrestling that doesn't need a lot of day-to-day direction. You know, yeah. just like, uh, you know, we have a uh, we're blessed to have a team of self-starters here that uh, you know don't show up at to work every day at eight o'clock at USA Wrestling expecting Rich Bender to tell them what to do. Sure. But I mean, of I think in, yeah. uh, certainly we we. Uh, yeah, we, 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 we work to get with all those people. I think our staff is 40-ish, uh, you know, counting interns now and then. So, um, a lot of coaches and, and professional workers here at USA Wrestling that, that manage the different, uh, aspects of our business. Yeah. And Gary Abbott's been friends with my mom and dad forever. And, and USA Wrestling has been awesome in, in helping us with the charitable stuff we've done with Randy Couture's uh, charity and the Missouri Border Brawl and all that stuff. And, um, you know, I met Taylor when, you know, through being at Oklahoma State. So, I mean, you got a great group of people down there or up there, I guess, for sure. So certainly the best part of my job is is to work with, with people like Gary Abbott. And, uh, you know, certainly it's it's inspiring every day to to realize the number of folks that, uh, contribute to our sport that don't uh, do it for a paycheck. And obviously uh, the professional staff at USA Wrestling are, are paid, but uh, there's a huge passion and motivation around the fact that there's this huge love 
to, to shove our sport forward and desire to shove our sport and the organization forward. So, yeah, I think that the biggest asset at, at USA Wrestling is is the professional staff and the, the people that work every day on behalf of our, our members in the sport. Yeah, yeah, they're awesome. And when I was talking to uh, Gary, uh, yeah, to Gary about uh, some stuff here a couple of weeks ago on a contest we'd run, he had mentioned something about USA Wrestling having four core business objectives, and I made a note of that because I wanted to. You know, I was going to try to get you on. You know, what are those objectives, and how do you guys go about trying to achieve those? So what what I say to our staff all the time that if you're doing something that doesn't contribute to one of these four core business objectives, stop doing it. And uh, you know, at at the end of the day, in our our four core business objectives, objectives are to to one grow the base, two build the brand, three sustain competitive excellence with our with our with our teams, and then the fourth and final is the network the wrestling community online. And uh, I think everything that that we do at USA Wrestling contributes to one of those four core principles. And and I think it's obviously there's some some element of being a bit nebulous in terms of, you know, how do you measure, you know, success or failure around building the brand? I mean, obviously growing the base, we can, we can look to our USA wrestling membership every year and, and, you know, judge our, our, our performance and, you know, the, the traffic and, and connectivity that, that our membership membership has uh, via the internet or uh, online is, is easy, easy to measure. In fact, you know, we have some, metrics that that shows us how we're doing with that weekly so and then the 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 excellence with our with our teams i mean last year usa wrestling won more combined medals uh from our age group world world level level teams than we have since 1972 so uh had a great year last year and and uh you know really are excited about the the future competitively competitively for for usa wrestling and in our country. And that's with less weight classes, especially it used to be 10 weight classes. So, I mean, that's. Yeah. And, and, and in all fairness, less weight classes, but you know, obviously women sure. are, are, are added to it. So yeah, I mean, it's, I, I think a lot of people look at the, the Olympic games and you know, look at our medal performance there. And, and, you know, it's, we, along with, with others, right. Are disappointed with that number, but, you know, obviously looking at, you know, a couple of those gold medals and what they meant, Historically, I and mean, Kyle Snyder winning the youngest, or was the youngest American ever to win a, a gold medal in wrestling, and Helen Morales being becoming the first woman ever to to win a gold medal for for Team USA are are really monumental accomplishments. And uh, I think it's uh, it's it's really exciting to think about the the future and and where we stand competitively in the sports is really cool. Yeah, and I was I was going to ask a different question, but I'm going to ask this next. You talk about people like Snyder and Morales, and, you know, I know a lot of people that know you. I mean, my my dad's your friend. He's, you know, gone fishing with you and stuff like that. And, and they talk to me about how emotional some of those experiences are for you because you, you get to know these guys at, and gals, obviously, at a pretty unique level. And, you know, and I think anybody who's ever wrestled or dealt with wrestling knows that when someone wins, that person doesn't win by him or herself. You know, that a lot of people have sunk time and effort and money and everything else into them. So, you know, to watch those metal performances along with Jaden, like how emotional was some of that for you? Well, it's incredibly emotional. And I, and I think it's, you know, for me, it's emotional because 
um, and obviously incredibly um, connected or, or uh, attached to, to the individual. But I think for me that, you know, the emotion really comes from, you know, kind of looking at it uh, globally in terms of, you know, what, what's gone into to that performance, whether that might be, uh, you know, someone that's working in the mailroom, a volunteer that's running a table, uh, a coach that, you know, gave of his Saturday to, to give, you know, athletes the, the opportunity to move forward. And I think when you start to think about how the sport has invested in these athletes, and obviously that's the, the highest stage in, in our uh, the, the, the grandest stage in our sport is the Olympic Games. And I think, you know, ultimately that's one of the things that saved us in 2013 is there's little question about what the most important wrestling event in the world is. It's, it's the Olympic Games. And, you know, that can't be said about other sports like soccer or yeah. basketball, right? I mean, it's clearly every athlete that's ever dreamt about winning every, anything is always, you know, visualize themselves as standing at the top of the podium at the Olympic Games. And I think when you start to, to, to think about the, and Dave Schultz said this, that, you know, if he, if he had, if he broke his medal up and gave a little piece to everybody that had imp, uh, an impact on his life, and his success, he he had to break it into thousands of pieces because so many people. And you know, I think it's the thing that's emotional about it is that I mean, I, I, not jokingly, right? It's that it's that mom or that uncle or that grandpa that yeah. volunteered their time on a Saturday afternoon to run a, a clock that gave you know Kyle Snyder the opportunity to participate and 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 be just absolutely consumed by a sport that. You know, I have no doubt that anybody that's ever been involved in the sport of wrestling is better for a period, regardless of any situation you could tell me. And, <laughs> and I think that's what's that's what's pretty cool about about wrestling and why it's so you know, it's easy to get emotional about it. And I, I I've had the pleasure to serve for six years as the chair of the National Governing Body Council for the U.S. Olympic Committee, so around forty-seven other executive directors. And I think you know that experience has made me realize how unique wrestling really is. And and I think. You know, not that you know there isn't this huge infrastructure behind swimmers and, and other athletes, but you know, I think at the end of the day, when you think about uh, you know everything, I mean, the, the purest pursuit in all sport, in my opinion, is American wrestler trying to win a medal for his country. But do we, you know, they're not motivated by fame or fortune; they're motivated by just that innate desire to be the best. And I think that kind of goes back to the the people that are contributing. I mean, it's just. You know, it, anyone that's ever wrestled feels some sense of responsibility to give back, knowing what the sport's done for them. And I think it's, I mean, I get emotional just talking about it. Yeah. You see that someone like, you know, Kyle or Helen or, you know, Jaden to, to achieve success at the highest level and knowing that, hey, it's not only taking an incredible investment by the individual, but if you think about the investment that others have made, it's just really awe, you know, it's awe-inspiring. It is, and and I know Jaden a little bit. I actually recruited his older brother, and you know I'm friends with his family, especially his mom. And you know all three of the medalists were really trailblazers in some way. Obviously, Helen being our first female gold medalist, you know Snyder being the youngest, but and, and obviously by that being in college, and him and Jaden both, you know, coming back to college and turning down that immediate money and that endorsement money, it really shows you how much those two, and obviously Helen the same way, they, how much they just love wrestling and that they're not, like you said, they're not doing it for the money and that 
being an Olympic gold medalist, you're right. I mean, I wrestled and that you don't dream about, oh, I want to win, you know, the World Cup like in soccer or the NBA title. I mean, you're right. The Olympic is the pin, the Olympic medal is the pinnacle for wrestling. So it, it has to just be, I mean, and you've been to so many of these events. I would be a blubbering mess if I went to all those, you know. So. Well, I am sometimes, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, I think I told you the story last week about when, uh, Adam Wheeler won, won, won the medal in 08, um, became, you know, it was the first and only Greco medal we got in 08. And obviously coming off such an incredible high the year before where we were the world team champions. And, and, you know, obviously to think that we'd only win one medal in, in a year later in 07 was, you know, really disheartening. But to this stand there with John Bartis and just weep, <laughs> um, just with, you know, the, I mean, obviously, it was wasn't the the fact that um, you know that we won a bronze medal in Greco-Roman wrestling, but it was just you know what it meant the fact that you know, we were able to you know to just achieve some success after the investment that you know so many people made, and just was relief. And you know, obviously, we weren't there wasn't a lot of satisfaction. Hey, when we look back and say, hey, we won one bronze medal in in Greco-Roman wrestling, but if you you, you know the backstory and everything, the fact of, you know, what Adam, where Adam came, really he's supposed to be on our team. Right. And the fact that it came down to the last day and the last opportunity, the guy got it done for us. It was pretty emotional. Well, and I saw one of those Facebook posts about him. Like, he started out like 0-11 or something, his first year of wrestling. And, I mean, something like that, you know, where he was terrible and just pushed through. Yeah. So, yeah, that's amazing. So, one of the questions I wanted to ask, and, you know, I know you and I spoke, I was lucky enough to have, you know, Mr. Art Martori on a couple of weeks ago, and the guy sees things from such a global level, and I know firsthand what you think of him. What all was your role and USA Wrestling's role in saving Olympic wrestling? Well, it's, uh, and, and certainly if there's anything that someone can point to as, an accomplishment being a team effort, and then I think in this case it was a global effort. That was the, the challenge in 2013, and it, and certainly I think there are many that that would like to take complete credit for it, and you know no one can. I mean it was a certain, uh, I mean certainly it was, and I mean the, the success was contributed to to a lot of different factors, and one factor which I think is the the most important factor was. We were right, right? We weren't trying to sell something to somebody that wasn't right. That was the fact that wrestling should be on the Olympic program. And I think, you know, the, there was a, an element of this where, you know, we had a decision to make early on. Were we going to take the approach of we're going to fight? We're going to, you know, make somebody pay for this suggestion or recommendation. We're going to sue somebody. We're going to, we're, we're going to stand up and be wrestlers and punch somebody in the face and make them pay for this ridiculous uh, decision, and instead, and then this is, I think, what I'm most proud of in terms of, you know, how you know USA Wrestling and others, you know, kind of led that charge, because that was that was the sentiment coming from around the world and around our country that this is unbelievable. These guys are idiots. They <laughs> that they should not have made this decision, and we need to fight. We need to sue somebody. We need to beat somebody up. <laughs> and the reality of it is, we took the approach early on, and that was. We are now going to use this as an opportunity to make ourselves better, right? We're not. We know that you know we're we're dealing with a, a lot of nobility and aristocracy, and, and right, they don't they don't they don't 
react well to being challenged. <laughs> and you know, and we also knew early on that you know this was this was an opportunity for us to get better. We weren't a very good sport. In fact, not. I mean, I would never suggest that we deserve to be not on the Olympic program. But I'm telling you, there were a lot of problems in the sport of wrestling. Not that there still aren't some that we need to be paying attention of, but we were being led by a you know, an international federation that was a, was a dictatorship, right, making bad decisions. I mean, if you remember, we actually were determining who the Olympic champions were by ball pole. Yeah, it was and, ridiculous, and, right? And, yeah. and, and really, I mean, a government structure that was archaic and ultimately put us in the position to start with because there's no relationship with the IOC. There was, you know, a lot of rules that were, you know, really – subjective and and you know we weren't doing justice to to the sport and our athletes and i think so the the biggest decision early on outside of um you know was that we were right was the fact that we took that approach that okay let's look at this as an let's embrace this as an opportunity for us to improve our sport and you know the fact that it's a it's god sport that helped too right i mean yeah and uh (laughs) and so uh we uh you know, we, we, that was the approach we took early on. And I think, you know, obviously a lot of recognition, rightfully so, goes to, to CPOW and the group of uh, men and women that, you know, met every Saturday morning at seven in the morning and, and talked about, you know, what the, what we should be doing to, to ensure that we remain rightfully so on, on the program. But, you know, I, I think it's, uh, you know, safe to say that USA Wrestling uh, you know, was a world leader in that, in that fight. And, uh, you know, that wasn't Rich Bender. That was a lot of people. That was, you know, hundreds of people really, when you start to think about it, that were, uh, you know, investing time, energy and resources and, and to, you know, what, whatever we could do to raise the relevancy of wrestling to ensure that the IOC didn't make a mistake and, and take us off the program. Yeah, and and you're, I mean, obviously you're deflecting, you know, and and you had to play a huge role in that. I mean, was it, I mean, for people that, you know, I think when I I spoke to Art, I just said, you know, a lot of us probably bought a T-shirt and signed a petition and maybe even wrote a a big or a little check, but how, Art Martori said he never really felt like wrestling was going to get dropped. Did, Did you have that same level of confidence or was it a lot scarier from your point of view? Well, I think, it, I mean, I think, you know, at night when, when you put your head on the pillow during this fight, right, there was there was part of me, and I said earlier, you know, it's God's sport. And there, I mean, there was part of me thinking there's no pathway for them to realistically take wrestling off the program. But I would just quickly go to the, the fact, but mm-hmm. how do we get to this point, right? I mean, there's a, I mean, the executive committee of the IOC thought that made sense so you know we 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 can't you know take a a passive role in this and say hey you know they'll figure it out and so you know i think it was um yeah i mean it was scary i mean i i thought that it there i mean when you when you were thinking at it logically to say this what makes no sense and anybody you talk to would say the same thing that this is ridiculous but yet you you go back to the fact that we're in this in this to start with and Nothing, in my opinion, was outside of the realm of possible when it, when it comes to to a group because you know, and I, I think it's safe to say, and the part of the IOC would even say this today. I mean, there's an element of dysfunction that that exists in that group, and uh, you know, so you know, never did did I think we ever were absolutely for sure until I heard 
you know, Jacques Rogue mentioned wrestling and on that, that day in, in, uh, in, uh, Buenos Aires that, that wrestling was on, you know, was, was remaining on the program. So yeah, I think it was, uh, I mean, I, I think there were times where we thought things were going really well and felt confident. And, and, uh, you know, remember we we were, you know, we immediately embarked on an incredibly, uh, I guess, elaborate campaign to lobby, you know, hundred plus free agents or RLC members to ensure that, you know, they were, you know, they, they, they knew the gravity of the sport. And I think, you know, everything helped Whether that was, uh, you know, how we raised the relevancy within, within wrestling in the United States or, you know, the, the interaction we had with the ILC, and I think, uh, you know, one of the, the byproducts of that fight was the fact that now we now have the president of the International Federation is a full IOC member, which is something we hadn't enjoyed in the past. And, and I think, you know, had we had someone in that role in 2013, we probably wouldn't have got to that point. But, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not bashful about saying that I think the 2013 challenge to wrestling is the best thing that's ever happened to our sport. Certainly the rules have changed. I think it's almost like any relationship, right? When you, the threat of losing it, you makes you appreciate it more, you know, whether it's a friend or a spouse or anything, you know, that, I mean, I, my, my brother had literally almost, almost died like 15 years ago. And, you know, the stuff you take for granted, you just don't anymore. So yeah, it completely changed. Well, I'll tell you, if, if, if you think for a second that I didn't take a lot of personal uh, take it personally. I, I mean, in terms of understanding my role and responsibility at, at USA Wrestling, yeah. that believe me, I, I mean, there was incredible motivation. You know, that that old saying, "Not on my watch," yeah. uh, certainly was 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 motivation for me. But you know, also realized that there's no way that one individual could 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 do this, and certainly I, in no way, am, am taking any credit for for the success. But it's it's. It's really inspiring to think back about, you know, the, the people, you know, the, the Bill Shears, the Jim Shears, the Stan Desics, and I mean, John Barris's Mike Norton. I mean, I don't, I shouldn't even start naming names, but Art Martori's. I mean, those people that Andy Barris had just, you know, set it all on the table and said, okay, what do we got to do and how are we going to do it? And, uh, you know, it was, it was, and that was the attitude that, you know, tens of thousands of people had within within right. wrestling, yeah. certainly in the United States and around the world, right? I mean, it's kind of legendary what, you know, how the sport rallied itself and, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, we had a million Japanese people sign a petition and, yeah. and obviously the, the things that, you know, the Iranians and the, and, the, yeah. and the United States and the Russians all got together and competed, uh, you know, in, in a really crazy environment in uh, in new york in a time where the sport really needed us to show unity and uh you know so i mean wrestling for sure should never be considered to come off the olympic games program ever under any circumstance I mean, it's it is the greatest sport known to man and it's foundational to the ideals and of the olympic the Olympic movement. I mean, it, I mean, Pierre de Coubertin said many times, right? That you know he identified the Olympic Games as the betterment of mankind through sport. And if you think about what wrestling has been able to do, I don't know how many sitting presidents have tried to get Russia and Iran and, Iran and the United States around the table. They haven't been able to do it yet. Wrestling you know, did it like that. Wrestling, yeah. <laughs> wrestling does it consistently. And so, yeah, it's uh, it really was. Uh, I mean, it wasn't so. So so much fun going through it at the time, but 
Now, thinking back, it really is it is a true testament to the to the strength of wrestling. The fact that the 2013 uh, fight went the way it did. Well, Art Martori and I joked that the first two sports in the Olympics were wrestling and running, and that after he would have got done whooping my ass in wrestling, that I would have had to go run. So, <laughs> so, you know, yeah, it's it's obviously as core to you know to the sports as as you can get. So, yeah, he he told me a great story about him and Tricia Saunders and a couple other people putting together. The women's weight classes, like literally sitting in the bleachers at a tournament and, and listening to somebody like Trisha, who obviously was an unbelievable competitor and winner, but also her knowledge of like these would be the right weight classes for women. So what was USA Wrestling's role in in getting women's wrestling added to the to the world and Olympic platforms? Well, I mean, we, we realized early on that, uh, you know, for women's wrestling to, to have you know the 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 probably the most important thing that needed to happen was the Olympic designation to to really put the stamp of legitimacy on a sport that we knew was legitimate right mm-hmm. within our within our own wrestling circles and I and I think uh, you know not dissimilar to to the fight in in 2013 I mean USA Wrestling I mean, early on knew that you know we were dealing with a with a national international federation that was somewhat dysfunctional and that. You know, had a, a really difficult time uh, organizing things, and you know, Gary Abbott and uh, and I and and many others sat down, actually wrote the the proposal for UWW or at the time FILA mm-hmm. to submit to the ILC to uh, you know for women to be added to the program. It ultimately was successful in, in 2004, but um, yeah, USA Wrestling took an absolute leadership role in in that designation. Just Providing support and actually writing the, the the documents that that the IF then ultimately submitted and uh, you know but people obviously Trish Saunders was you know monstrous in that in that process of helping you know the USA Wrestling organize you know the the thoughts around why and how and and you know obviously there were others that were already participating in the sport like Japan and Canada uh, that were you know, obviously influential in in us um you know ultimately making the proposal to to the IOC but you know if if you remember back in 2004 it wasn't even I mean it wasn't all that popular within the traditional wrestling community That's right. here yeah. even in the United States and I think it's you know a true testament to you know pioneers like Trish Saunders and Art Martori and, and those that you know saw the value and I think Kerry Steiner summed it up really well and, and when we he was I heard him do an interview one time about when we hired him at, at USA Wrestling and you know he said at the end of the day um, you know when he when he started to think about it he he clearly understood the value that the sport you know has for for boys and men that have participated mm-hmm. and he said you know why wouldn't that be the same for women <laughs> and and you know and, he, and the reality of it it does right and uh, you know so I think it's you know, another example of the sport really rallying together. And I think, you know, today the, the the strategy is pretty simple in terms of the further development of women's wrestling, right? We we were able to be fortunate enough to secure the Olympic designation, now working hard, and August is the deadline for us to submit the emerging sport request to the NC2A for, you know, nice. 
women's wrestling to be recognized as, as an NCA sport. And then ultimately our, our strategy is to continue to build the number of state high school activity associations that recognize women's wrestling as a standalone sport. And I think, you know, it's part of a process. And I think it's, you know, the, the reality of it is that the foundation of all this is a sport that has stood the test of time and, and the fact that it is a good sport, right? It's right. it's an awesome sport. Maybe the best, I mean, I'm convinced that it's the best sport. Now, yeah, can can it be better publicized and and better promoted? Sure, we all, all need to continue to work hard to right. try to, to raise our relevancy. But at the end of the day, there's no sport that has a better positive impact on human lives and wrestling. And I, you know, we can go through the hundreds of different attributes that are developed by participation in the sport, but, you know, it, it is without question in my mind the, the, the best sport when it comes to just impacting lives positively than any other sport. Yeah, amen to that. So, well, um, I called my dad and told him I was going to get to interview you, and he told me you're just about the best storyteller he knows. So <laughs> I wanted to carve some time out to just kind of play name game or word association with you and just you tell me about your thoughts and impressions of some people, if that's okay. So yeah. The, the first one he told me, and he, I guess you all went fishing together, but you and John Smith actually share the same birthday, like literally the same day, year, everything. Is that correct? That's correct. Eight, nine, sixty-five. Okay. Tell me about your impressions of John. Well, John's, I mean, John's, a, I mean, obviously when I started in 1988, John was already a you know, very accomplished wrestler and um, you know, I think, you know, maybe because uh, we shared a birthday, we, we started to develop a relationship more quickly than, you know, maybe just, you know, an organic get to know somebody type, type uh, relationship. But, you know, I think John is, I mean, I consider him you know, to be one of my best friends and, and somebody that I, not unlike Art Martori, do bounce a lot of professional things off of in terms of, you know, hiring or decisions for the organization. And, and John is, I think, um, comes across or likes to have develop, and he he's worked to develop this persona of this, you know, okey aw shucks kind of kind of guy that kind of stumbled into a wrestling room, and you know had some success. And and John Smith is one of the most intelligent people I know. Somebody that you know I think doesn't and and on purpose, right? He doesn't always come across as someone that's thinking on a different level. But I mean, John, I think. You know, it comes across to me as you know, one of the most intelligent people, uh, certainly when it comes to the sport of wrestling that, that I've ever been around. Yeah. Tell me, you, you helped me a lot with the interview with Art Martori, so tell me about him. So Art, like like John, I mean, I, I, and I think we all have a kind of a core core group of people that we, that we consider mentors and people that we just, you know, Art's been a father figure for me for as long as I can remember at USA Wrestling. Somebody that's, you know, obviously been wildly successful in life and someone that's never, ever uh, forgotten about the impact that wrestling's had on his personal life. And I think Art is as genuine and a giving person as I've ever met, somebody that will not filter his opinion when we give it to you and, and somebody that, you know, you want in your foxhole if, uh, you know, and obviously 2013 Art was a guy that, you know, didn't want the limelight. Yet he was that call that you knew that if you ever needed something, he was there. And, you know, Art Martori is, and I said this in an interview 
before that, that I think Art Martori might very well be the most consequential figure in the history of wrestling in the United States. I mean, I think there's few elite wrestlers, whether they wrestle for the Sunkiss kids or not, or, you know, the, the hundreds and thousands of kids that have been impacted by wrestling that don't draw, that Art Martori's fingerprints aren't somewhere on that, on that lens. So, I mean, Art is, I mean, I can't say enough good things about, about Art. And I think, uh, you know, he's just been somebody that's been incredibly influential on me personally. Yeah, he's the godfather. And he also said that anytime you guys want to go snowmobiling or anything with an engine, <laughs> that he's ready for round two. So, <laughs> yeah, and you make sure you wear your helmet. <laughs> I heard about that. And I mean, you know, he's a competitor. You could, I said, so if we did this, he goes, yeah, it was just like that. <laughs> We're going to go hard. So. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about uh, your impressions or your, your interactions with uh, Kale Sanderson. So, so obviously Kale, um, you know, Kale, my, most of my experience with Kale revolves around his, him competing. And, and certainly now as he, you know, has become arguably, you know, if not the one of the top college coaches maybe ever. And, and uh, you know, but Kale has just always been that that kind of consummate pro- professional and someone that, I mean, Kale you never saw, I mean, get really high or really low. And if you if you ever look back at, at Kale and, you know, winning world NCAA championships or at the Olympic Games, what do you do? Like snapped his fingers. You know, that was his, that was his, his emotion. And I think, you know, my impression of Kale is that, you know, he's unlocked something that, you know, many have tried but few have been able to succeed at, and that is really making, uh, you know, hit the experience for his wrestlers be – it's not – people don't will look at the sport of wrestling and say, hey, this is, this is a hard sport, right? You have to make sacrifices and you know, put in a, a, a body of work that few others would seem to be enjoyable or fun. Right. And I think Kale's been able to unlock that. And I think, you know, if you talk to any of the guys that, that have wrestled for Kale, and, you know, they all are, are pretty consistent in what they say. Hey, it's, oh. we have fun. You know, we're, we're, we have fun at, at, at Penn State. And I think, you know, obviously winning's fun, right? But, yeah. you know, I think there's more to it than that. And I think Kale's kind of steady demeanor and his, um, you know, honest assessment and, you know, builds, you know, really, I think, true relationships, cares about his kids. Not that, and there are the coaches that certainly do that too, but I think Kale's doing that on a little bit different level. And the fact that you know he's he's somebody that I said earlier, where you know it's not easy to transition from elite athlete to elite coach. Right. Where you know obviously John's one that's done that too, and a number of other people. But you know you have to be incredibly successful to be to win at the level that those guys did, and mm-hmm. then certainly to be. To win at the level they are as a coach, you have to be incredibly selfless, and you know, Kale's figure that out. Yeah, yeah. He's one of the, you know, lackeys for sure. But you know, I think the best is still yet to come out of Kale Sanderson as a coach, and I think you know we're we're getting a taste of what the future is going to look like uh, from him. Most definitely. So another guy that was always calm, 100 percent of the time. Tell me about Dan Gable. <laughs> well, so so I I, I know. Uh, and I called Dan Gable coach, even though he never coached me. And, and you know, but I know Dan as a, you know, as that coach and somebody that I don't think there's anybody on earth that has a bigger passion to promote our sport than Dan Gable. And I think, you know, obviously Dan's, you know, competitive success and coaching success is legendary, right? I mean, it's, right. it's, 
top of just about every category in the record books. What Dan brings to the table for short is, I mean, he's been able to transition even to another level where he from a to successful ambassador. And I think, you know, Dan is the, you know, the true ambassador for wrestling. I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that, that there's, you know, not been a lot of people in the sport wrestling that have transcended our sport where you can go into a girl. And, you know, Rulon's Gardner's name for a while was, you know, one of those people. Well, certainly in the, in the generation, he's stayed relevant in the sport. He works every day, every single day. Dan Gable wakes up and, and, and works to promote wrestling, and, and that's where you know why I have so much respect for the guy. Not only is he one of the all-time greats competitively and as a coach, but and the guy just he just never stops. I mean, he's constantly looking for ways to promote wrestling, and I think you know that's 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 inspiring. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the guys you mentioned earlier, just in a different context, but to me maybe. I mean, you know, I'm kind of a wrestling nerd and, and look up a lot of stuff and know a lot of history. Maybe the most underrated USA wrestler of all time. Tell me about Bruce Baumgartner. Well, 13-time World Olympic champ and the guy that hired me as executive director of USA Wrestling. I, I, I'm not, you won't hear me ever say anything negative about the guy. <laughs> and, and I and I think you not only, uh, you know, obviously, you know, Bruce is is one of the guys uh, that when you, you you write down on a piece of paper who are the the peak impact and wanted to some amount of credit. That's Bruce, right? I mean, Bruce is Bruce Anderson. You know his ability and obviously his success competitively is unmatched, right? Thirteen times yeah. he he won a medal for our country at the World Olympic Games and four times, you know, in the in the Olympics. And I mean, that's just. I mean, I don't I don't see us seeing athletes like that come. Maybe I mean, I hope that maybe Kale's or uh, cuff that guy, but um, this is just the, I would categorize him as that that giver, right? I mean, life is made up of givers and takers, right? And you know, Bruce Baumgartner is is a true giver, and somebody that you know works a full time job as a athletic director at Edinburgh University, yet gives me every second of every day that I need to you know whatever whatever that might be to help and. And just be a part of USA Wrestling, an inspirational. In in history from around the world, I think, you know, he just he lives his life right. He runs his businesses right, and he, you know, he's a he's a true giver. And uh, I couldn't, I can't say enough good things about about Big Bruce. For sure. Rich, I don't know if you moved at all, but in the last minute or two, we've had a little bit of cutout. So if we, there's a better spot, just because I want everybody to hear what okay. you're saying. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm, okay. I'm just standing by a back door to make sure. Okay. Um, coverage here, but. Okay. So tell me about uh, Andy Barth, another one of the givers in our sport. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'll tell you a funny story about Andy. And Andy. Um, you know, Andy was recognized in the in the National Wrestling Hall, Hall of Fame early on on his involvement, you know, in, in the sport. And, and he was inducted as an outstanding American in the National Wrestling Hall of Fame, you know, early in his kind of involvement with USA Wrestling. And I remember it like it was yesterday, his speech, he in his induction speech, you know, obviously he talked about how the sport had helped him become, you know, one of the most successful businessmen in, in the United States. 
and, you know, had, you know, just incredible success from that perspective. But in his, in his in induction speech, speech, he said, I don't think that I've earned this honor, but I plan to. <laughs> and, That's uh, great. Yeah. And, and, it, and it was, and he's done, I mean, he's lived up to his word. I mean, that guy is, I mean, unbelievable when it comes to his just passion to help people. I mean, he's, he's, I mean, there's, there's, I like to think that there's, there's givers, takers, and there's, and there's helpers and people that, that really have, you know, in, invested um, themselves in helping others be successful. And, you know, Jimmy Jordan said in his induction speech, speech to the Hall of Fame that hey, what makes America great is the unbelievable commitment by hus- or mothers and fathers of American kids to make their lives better than life. Take any great example. Really wakes up every day and thinks about how he can make someone's life better. And, uh, you know, he is, I mean, just someone that, you know, served as our team leader this past quad and, and, you know, was just an inspirational leader for that team and someone that continues to give, you know, through the Titan Mercury Wrestling Club and, and, you know, a number of different ways. And, and, you know, Andy's just, uh, you know, he's a, he's a, a rock star in the sport of wrestling for sure. Yeah, and I know, like, obviously, Titan Mercury and Sunkiss compete, but Art Martori has a tremendous amount of respect for Andy as well, obviously. So, yeah, for sure. T- tell me about the Brands Brothers. <laughs> so Tom and Terry Brands, it's, so it's, it's, I remember in, in, in 93, you know, we won the World Championship for the first time as a team in, in Toronto, and that was Tom and Terry's first year on the team. And if you remember, they both, they both, uh, won a world championships without a turn and just won, you know, the, the world championships on true, just grit and toughness. Obviously, technically they, they're, they're really solid, but it was, you know, their, their first kind of splash on the team. And I, I think in all honesty, I, I know Terry a little bit better than Tom, just simply because Terry worked here with us. And, and, uh, you know, I mean, obviously they are, our people are and athletes and coaches that are inspired by Gable and, and certainly, have developed their own kind of persona. And I mean, just grit, toughness. And I think the thing that's kind of under, misunderstood a lot about Tom and Terry is, is their technical ability uh, as a coach. And I think, you know, everyone kind of talks about, oh, the Iowa style, just, you know, beat people down and, and that's how you win. But, you know, you look at, at some of the athletes that these guys have developed and themselves um, specifically, competitively, technically they've been superior. And I think, you know, they are just, I mean, they're tough guys, right? They're tough, God-fearing guys that, that uh, you know, don't have a big filter, right? But yet <laughs> yeah. have, a big, have a big passion for wrestling. And, and they, like every single person that we've talked about, has a really clear, I mean, their clarity is unbelievable with them in terms of the impact wrestling has on people and them, themselves, right? And, and I think every single person we've talked about has a very clear understanding of how wrestling has impacted them positively and, and the commitment to do everything in their power to have that impact as many people uh, as they can. And I think, you know, Tom and Terry live that every day. They are incredibly passionate about wrestling. They, they share some of uh, uh, Coach Gable's passion about promoting the sport and, and obviously incredibly uh, driven, competitive guys. But, um, you know, they're, they're another – group of guys that you want in your foxhole and uh i i i have a ton of respect for for those men and what what they're doing at, at the university of Iowa and what they've done for our sport 
Yeah, I've had a chance to have Terry on twice on Matt Chat, and he's he's a very interesting, unfiltered would be a very accurate description, but just really passionate and you know really not reserved. I mean, it's you know he's one of the few guys you you told me ask me anything, I've got nothing to hide, and you know just yeah, super interesting guys. So yeah, and I I, I uh, if you get a chance to watch uh, you know Terry, you probably have it, the floated the. Uh, the, the piece on Terry and I remember that uh, I remember that Olympic trials in '96 in, in in Seattle and I was there when you know Terry you know had you know an incredibly heartbreaking loss to Kendall Cross and called off the mat and I ran in the back with with Tom and I mean, it was it was obviously a difficult time and, and the documentary does a good job of and then. You know, Terry went on to do some great things after that, and, and uh, you know, it's just another another chapter in, in the sport of wrestling. It's pretty cool to, to think about. Yeah, and that was one of the next guys. So tell me about Kendall. So Kendall made two 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 teams, and uh, he made the the ninety six team or the the um, he made the ninety two team right ninety two team ninety two team, and you know, somewhat of an upset. I, if I remember right, I think he beat Brad Penrith and. And, and made the team in, in 92 and then you know, didn't have a lot of success at the games, but in, in 96, you know, was as dominant a wrestler as we had on our team, right? I mean, he rolled through the Olympic games and, uh, you know, was somewhat of a darling in Atlanta and, and uh, rightfully so, right? A really exciting wrestler, someone that's incredibly, um, I guess, I don't know. Resourceful. I, I think creative is probably a better better word for Kendall. And you know, obviously, uh, I heard John Smith say one time that when he was starting to develop his little single and technique, he felt like he was just kind of he'd go in the room at Oklahoma State and felt like he's like a mad scientist, like he was you know working on different angles and sure. just kind of perfecting that you know some of his. And it wasn't just his little single, but you know other other techniques that were really kind of revolutionized the sport. And I I put Kendall kind of in that category. I mean, Kendall. It was high gut wrench, and his his approach to to wrestling was 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 different. Created you know created new techniques and styles within the sport, and uh, you know just somebody that's you know I think then when when Kendall was wrestling and at the Olympic Games in '96, as, as exciting a wrestler as I've ever been around in uh, in terms of you know fun to watch and creative and you know incredibly gifted gifted uh, wrestler, and I think he's you know, starting you know now with the uh, this new job on the East at the regional training center. I think he'll start to be, uh, you know, one of the more respected coaches out there. So Kendall has uh, obviously had a big footprint in the sport, and I think it's going to get bigger. Yeah, I'm, I'm friends with Coleman Scott when he was, you know, getting ready to try to make the team, and Kendall just said, you know, <laughs> Kendall made a big point that to him that, you know, you, you just got to make those Olympic teams and kind of gave, I think, Coleman, a lot of extra confidence in that path. And to me, Kendall Cross, when I watched him wrestle, it, it, I don't know if this is the right word, but he almost wrestles with charisma. You know, like it just, he looks like he's having so much fun and he's just as good as a lot of guys are. His body movements, he can just do certain things that a lot of people can't do. Yeah. I think he, you know, he does a lot of things that wrestlers think about doing, but aren't able to do. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think that's how he wrestled, and and, and certainly, uh, like I said, he's an incredibly creative guy, and, and somebody that's been a great ambassador for wrestling. Yeah, tell me about uh, your experiences with Jordan Burroughs. 
so so Jordan, obviously, you know, my experience with Jordan is, you know, has been since you know really he has he started wrestling with with Team USA, and you know Jordan was a guy that you know obviously had success in college, and then you know jumped into into the international scene you know right away, and uh, you know I think the thing that impresses me most about Jordan Just as a great wrestler, but as a father, a husband, and just—I mean—he's the whole package. And I mean, Jordan Burroughs is is obviously a very calculated individual, somebody that that you know thinks about uh, you know what his the impact are of his actions, and you know obviously is you know to be a wrestler that's achieving success at the level he is, incredibly focused on you know what he needs to do to get himself better. But the thing that's I think unique about Jordan Burroughs is his the clarity by which he looks at you know, his overall persona and how he uh, conducts himself and carries himself and understands his his responsibility. I mean, it's one thing to be a great wrestler and just you know I'm focused on you know winning the worlds and the Olympic games and you know just that's my job. And I think Jordan takes it a step further where he clearly understands what he needs to do to to win, but he also clearly understands his role and responsibility as an ambassador and somebody that you know, inspires kind of the next generation. And, you know, obviously he's, he's the real deal. I mean, Jordan Burroughs is not, uh, I mean, what you see is Jordan Burroughs. I mean, he, he does lives his life, right. He is a great parent. He's a great husband and obviously an incredible competitor and somebody that's been, you know, in, in, in recent times, you know, he's the leader of team USA and somebody that's, you know, not been af- afraid to, to you know, get out there and in, in social media and, and talk about wrestling and, and, you know, what he thinks is important in terms of faith, et cetera. I think he's the full package. And he's somebody that I know for sure when Jordan Burroughs is done competing, and I'm hoping that's not for a long time, but, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, he's going to be, you know, that he's going to be in the, he's going to be a great coach if he, if that's the direction he decides to, to pursue. And I know for sure he can always be a great ambassador for wrestling. Yeah, for sure. So, well, one of the things I wanted to end up with you was just we talked about it, Andy Hamilton and I, about people that are wrestling fans, you know, and and I love the NCAAs and I love the NCAAs when they're in St. Louis. Um, But when going to the U.S. Open this year and like with the World Team Trials coming up, can you maybe I, I don't even know if I can do it justice, just like how many studs are in one place and how much more accessible they are and how much. You know, there's every single person there, like, you know, was a superstar at the collegiate level. And, you know, I just had Mark Manning on last week and we're talking about the world team trials being in Lincoln. You know, from a a perspective of a guy like you that's been to so many of these, what could you maybe do to kind of help, I mean, frankly, drive attendance up and encourage people to go to something like that? Well, I'll tell you, you know, one of the things that we struggle with the U.S. Open in particular is that, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's usually easy for us to, to, to classify events, right? Classifying as either spectator events or participatory events. You know, we don't have enough spectator events, but, you know, I mean, the, the U.S. Open is, is an event that is, I mean, has a participatory element to it. I mean, we had 33 different events going on in, in, in Las Vegas this year. And, you know, obviously it's our open championship. So it's, you know, it's that kind of foundation, you know, take all comers kind of, attitude for you know the event so we try to you know try to promote it to as many people as we possibly can to participate and then try to try to 
you know, as the event uh, matures and, and, and goes on, we try to turn it into a spectator event. And sometimes we fail miserably with that. And I think, you know, this year we, you know, it's just, it's, it's difficult to do. And I think, you know, we'll get better next year at a, a better presentation for, for the finals. But I mean, to your point, right. I mean, so who do you put on a, on the platform, Jordan Burroughs or Helen Burroughs? And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we got to get better at figuring out how we can, you know, do respect and, and give promotional opportunities to all, to all. But, I mean, I'm telling you, to be an elite wrestler in the sport of wrestling and freestyling Greco is different. This isn't to make light at all of college wrestling because obviously that's the pipeline. But ultimately, it's a different ball game when you go from the NCAA Division One to to you know, international wrestling. I mean, it's just it's a different level. And yeah, it's it's uh, you know not uncommon for us to you know at a, at a tournament like the U.S. Open have you know 10, 12 NCAA Division One champs in one weight class. And, uh, you know, the good thing for our country is, you know, that, that speaks to a little bit of a depth, right. but it, but it also, I mean, there's a challenge, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's a different style of wrestling. And, you know, I'd be lying. Okay. Um, but I'm a huge fan of folk style wrestling. I, I, you know, obviously, um, came up through that system and, you know, it's, uh, it's the foundation for wrestling in our country for sure. Uh, but yeah, there's a transition that's, that needs to take place. I mean, it's, I mean, great example is, right? Kale was the greatest collegiate wrestler of all time and didn't jump right into a world championship, right? It took him, took him a while to transition. And I think, you know, the, the cool thing about the U.S. Open and these, these big open freestyle events is that, right? You can go there and, uh, you know, it's a participatory event, so it tends to be easier to get down close and yeah. you know, kind of, kind of that touch and feel like, you know, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you can sit back and, and hopefully one seat and watch, you know, a semifinal final round where it's, you know, it's kind of produced in a, in a, uh, you know, kind of a spectator friendly, um, point. I'm not sure if I answered your question, no, but it's, you did. You know, it's, a, it's, it's a struggle. And, and, and I think it's something that, you know, we, we've worked with, with a number of different groups and trying to kind of reimagine some things. And I think, you know, we, we, uh, you know, changed some of our formats to try to, um, you know, build a, uh, you know, kind of a spectator following. But the thing that's a, a challenge for international wrestling is that, you know, we don't have a traditional season, right? We, yeah. we don't have a, you know, a season and a conference championship and a playoff and, and a, a build up and a, yeah. in a build up. And, and so, you know, it's, it's always been a struggle for us and, and certainly something that we're always open to ideas and, and ways to get better. And, uh, you know, cause we, we for sure haven't, um, you know, necessarily unlocked the code to, how do you balance all that? No, I, you, you guys are doing a great job, and obviously everybody in the world can do better in, in anything. But I, I guess my point is just for people that are listening is if you can go to Lincoln, go to Lincoln. <laughs> I mean, it's I mean the U.S. Open was fantastic, and now the World Team Trials are just the you know the creme de la creme of that group. So well, it's it, I think the World Team Trials is one of the most under. Um, kind of developed and appreciated wrestling events in the world. And I'm not, I mean, in the world, I mean, I think, you know, obviously, um, you know, everybody points to, you know, Jaden Cox, David Taylor, uh, Jordan Burroughs, Kyle Bake, and, you know, but you think about that times about 50, right? Because yeah. right there's there and, 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 uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a little bit unique this year in, in, uh, in Lincoln because it's all freestyle. And, you know, obviously, 
you know, I'd be lying if I didn't say that, you know, freestyle um, right now is, you know, is probably the most relevant style from a spectator standpoint in terms of where most of the recognized people are. And I'm right. certainly not saying that our women's freestyle and men's record programs aren't important and, and, you know, doing well too. But, you know, I think it's a unique uh, example of where this sport will be kind of standalone. And so, you know, you're going to be able to go in and sit down at some of the very first match. There's not a throw that you don't want to watch. And I think, yeah, you know, exactly it's, right. it's uh, I mean, my hair in the back of my neck is standing up right now just thinking about those, you know, early round matches with guys that, you know, two-time NCAA champs. And, right. you know, I mean, it, it speaks to the depth of the American program, right? When you got a guy that's, you know, um, Chris Perry, who's, you know, not been in the conversation with Jordan Burroughs and Kyle Greenick and, yeah, and those guys, and and uh, so I mean it's it's going to be incredibly exciting. I think it you know it speaks well to to what the future looks like. I mean, not to mention, I mean, Gail's bringing a pile of guys in there that you know are going to ruffle some feathers with the with the establishment. And I think uh, you know it's going to be exciting to see. And and uh, you know I think certainly um, you know if you're a wrestling fan, uh, you you don't want to miss it because it's going to be a unique experience. From I mean from the first whistle yeah. and uh, one day, I mean, it's not, if you want to get there early, it's a, you know, obviously we have some young stars that are going to be wrestling to make the U S junior team. Right. You know, guys like, like Mark Hall, which, you know, and, from Arizona yeah. state and, and, uh, you know, these guys are going to be wrestling the day before and, you know, but man, I mean, that's Saturday. It's going to be as intensive a Saturday of wrestling <laughs> as I think, you know, we've seen maybe ever. It's going to be amazing. And, you know, USA Wrestling doesn't doesn't pay me to talk about this, but I, I really think people should try to get there if they can. I think it's just an amazing thing. And, you know, it's, you know, if, you, if you're a wrestling person here, you kind of need to get your fix in June. That's the place to go. So, Rich, I, I appreciate well, it. You know, I mean, you've, you've yeah, one thing I'd add, one thing I'd add to that. And I think, you know, it's, you know, we all talk to talk about, you know, the Olympic program and staying on the Olympic program and, you know, the best way for us to do that is to raise our relevancy. And I think, you know, just by you know, buying a ticket and going and watching is, you know, not only is it incredibly enjoyable selfishly, but, you know, it's also a great way to, to give back to the sport and uh, you know, help us, you know, drive things forward. So, I mean, it's not only is it going to be really enjoyable, but I think it also is impactful in terms of, you know, this, you know, good numbers there and, and, and good attendance there to watch. And people can either buy tickets there or just could go to the mat.com and just go to the events and follow it from there. Is that right? That's correct. That's okay. correct. Well, you've given me an hour, which I truly appreciate. I appreciate all the, the friendship and support you've given to myself and my mom and dad over the years. And um just want to thank you for taking the time to do this interview today. Well, it's certainly been my pleasure. And, and, and uh, you know, I talked earlier about, about – Givers and takers, and certainly this sport has given me way more than I've given it. And I think it's a, you know, certainly a, a pleasure and a blessing to be able to, uh, you know, be involved with the sport and the individuals like yourself and your mom and dad that they're just really the backbone of our sport. And I think it's, you know, so it's been a, a, a much more of a pleasure for me and, and just an honor to chat with you today. Well, thank you so much, and I will definitely find you in Lincoln, and uh, we can catch up. Story time with Rich is one of the 
what one of the best things you can get to, folks. If you can <laughs> grab him for a minute and have him tell stories, it'll make your day. So, ladies and gentlemen, this was another episode of Matt Chat. I'm David Maricatani. Thank you for listening. is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.